Hey everyone, welcome to Between Us, the podcast that dives deep into the inner workings of our relationships in order to help you live a more authentic and meaningful life. I'm your host, Shadman. Today on the show, we have Rosa Ponce de Leon. Rosa is a keynote speaker, podcast host, career strategist, and leadership coach with more than 20 years of experience working in a male-dominated industry. She has overcome her own limiting beliefs and leaned into her purpose. She discovered her voice and took ownership of her influence, which thrusted her to dream bigger, embrace her identity as a lover of people, and fuel her vision and desire to make a global impact. She believes you are in the driver's seat of your career, and you have a unique path to achieving your goals. She has helped many professionals find their unique path to success, and she can help you find yours too. Rosa, so glad to have you here on the show today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so for the, for the audience's context, Rosa and I, we met on a fellow podcaster's platform called Matchmaker as uh, many of the listeners and viewers are pretty well accustomed to at this point into the podcast. But when I kind of came across Rosa's profile and saw how she was helping individuals really align their purpose, their own personal fulfillment within their professional vocational lives, I was immediately drawn to Rosa because one of the things that I think I related to a lot with Rosa is finding this innate ability within ourselves and trying to see where does that align within your own professional life? Where does that professional journey meet? those innate abilities and kind of psychological tendencies we have as individuals, kind of really tapping into that uniqueness that I think in professional life, we sometimes put to the side and don't really consider. And and another thing that Rosa does is help individuals become purpose-driven leaders. And I think, especially given the events that have happened in the past year and how the world is in such great flux and people and organizations are really having to figure out new leadership styles, how to really galvanize a group of individuals towards working towards a particular mission in a completely new environment that we're living in nowadays. It's completely transformed the way in which organizations have to operate. And so today with Rosa, I'm excited to be chatting, chatting about how to become a purposeful leader in your professional life and become a purpose-driven professional at large. And so kind of to start off, I love it, Rosa, kind of touched on it a little bit in the intro. If you can give a little bit of background about your own experience in industry, working in a male-dominated industry, and, and kind of when that first moment came to you, maybe it was when you first started working, or maybe when it was when you were younger, when did you first get interested in leadership and purpose-driven professional vocation? I think when we start talking about calling and, and purpose and things like that, I, I feel like you're kind of by design, uh, you you end up following a path that works for you. And, and what I mean by that is, let me give an example of being raised by my two immigrant parents. My father was always, both of them super hardworking. My mother was a homemaker and she always managed the household and the finances and things. And they were a team. Um, And my father always had side jobs, side hustles uh, Mm -hmm. to supplement our income. And so I was always helping him. And I was the oldest uh, with three brothers. So I've always been, and, and tons of cousins. Both my parents are come from big families. My dad's the eldest of 14. My mom, the eldest of 10. So always growing up around boys and girls and a little bit of a tomboy. So, <laughs> so I knew I'd probably end up in something where I could be active and I love being outside. So 
um, when I was in college, I ended up at UCLA. And when I was in college, there was a bulletin for a job application at, at a local police department. And growing up, I'm fortunate that we re- didn't really have a lot of encounters with the law. So I, all I thought is police officers give tickets. That's their only mm-hmm. job. <laughs> but I c- came to find out that in law enforcement, there's a ton of other stuff that happens. And in fact, I was in, I ended up being hired by this police department to uh, help to develop policy on community-oriented policing, which meant that we wanted to have a relationship with the community to have collaboration and relationships with the community mm-hmm. so that we could together find solutions. Um, so I, I became very interested in, in some of the approach uh, behind that and ultimately got hired by that police department as a, as a police officer and bounced around a little bit to where I'm now at a different municipal agency. And I've been uh, in law enforcement for over 20 years now. So definitely a male dominated industry. Mm-hmm. In my younger years, I was so excited just about the work. And again, just high degree of respect for my male peers. They always treated me as an equal for the most part. Once you start looking at leadership, though, a transition needs to happen. And for me, I always cite one example that was a turning point, turning point for me. And it was this. I realized that I needed coaching so, so that I could come to terms with the fact that there's this very stringent process that has nothing to do with what you've done in your career. Like I could have high competency in many areas, but if I didn't perform well and, and showcase myself the way that I needed to in a, in a, in a uh, promotional panel, then I wasn't going to be selected. So I did get some coaching. And I remember the one question that the coach asked is, what does a leader look like? Um, And I said, he looks like A, B, and C. And I gave a very natural response. I didn't even think twice about it. And he said, did you realize that you said he? And I said, (laughs) no, but now that you mentioned it, I really did say that. And it really, I mean, in the moment I took all the coaching, but I went home and I thought, man, how long have I been? been disqualifying myself from being a leader. And what do I look like? If I've been looking at all these men and I'm supposed to look like them and that's wrong because I'm disqualifying myself, then what should I look like? And that's where a different journey began. So I did get the help to succeed in the promotional process, but really the leadership journey and the the self-discovery process began there for me as a leader. Yeah, it's so fascinating where you don't even realize something as simple as that one question where you realize I started with he and that is the only image you had of what a leader looked like, given that you were working in a a male dominated industry, like you mentioned. But it wasn't until some someone else from a third party perspective asked you that that you're like, oh, wait, hold on a second here. I may have the wrong idea here of what it looks like. And right. And it put into perspective for me because a, a lot of the, the the men are very comfortable with the whole, um, you know, self-promotion. And this is what I did. And this is what I did in here. And they're, mm-hmm. they're just very comfortable talking about themselves. Some of them are very healthy with it. Other, others have a little bit of more narcissistic tendencies, which I don't <laughs> love. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but a lot of the advice that's given to women is you need to put yourself out there. You need to be more confident. You need to be more this. And a lot of this stuff was good at intended, well-intended, but I felt that it was out of alignment with who I was ethically. Like if I'm not confident in an area, I know that I have the capacity to learn it, but I'm going to be honest with it. I don't need to lie and fake it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd rather just say, Hey, I know what I don't know. And in this particular area, I can tell you as much as I know. And then, and then, and then let you know that we should probably look at a few other things. 
Whereas a guy is seen as confident if he just projects this confidence. And even if he doesn't know, and clearly the people around can see that he doesn't, but he's confident he's a leader. And I had a real struggle with that because not, not so much in a competitive sense of how come he gets it and I don't, more in the sense of we're, we cannot continue to promote people who impact people's lives and have deficiencies in their competency, competencies. I like confidence like anybody, but if, if it's overconfidence, then I don't like it. And neither should anyone else. <laughs> That's right. not the kind of leadership we need. And so for me, it, it was a matter of realizing that a lot of our processes don't account for those discrepancies, that mm-hmm. they do cite confidence and charisma and some of the things we love about great leaders. But in a long-term relationship with a leader like that, you start seeing the gaps and it's not healthy and it leads to burnout. It leads to people not being excited to come to work. And so I've seen all of that in my career and it is frustrating. So hence I'm a coach now. (laughs) I decided, you know, I think I I have enough of a passion for this that it's time to, to just start looking for people who do share some of these concerns about leadership and who do want to be leaders for the right reasons and competent as well as confident uh, and who can admit when they have shortcomings. The beauty of leading people is that you have other people to fill in those gaps for you. Like, Mm -hmm. why wouldn't I want to empower people that are smarter than me in an area to take that particular piece? If I'm not great on it, why do I need to waste my time? Like, let me just empower someone else to take that on. Mm -hmm. So There's definitely a need for great leaders. And I think that that this is a time when we see it in every aspect of our world. I think (laughs) I'm certainly seeing it. Uh, You know, I I look to our our election cycle and I think, man, is this our best? (laughs) (laughs) Something's got to be wrong. It it was back to that whole idea that the process that generates and uh, and picks people for us, we got to revisit that. (laughs) This Mm -hmm. cannot be our best. (laughs) No. Exactly. It definitely cannot be our best. And it's a matter of like you mentioned, I think it's a lot of us having that psychological undertone of believing this is what leadership is supposed to look like when in reality, when we step back, like like when you were working with that coach, you realize, wait, this is not what I truly believe, but this is what somehow subconsciously is my belief. And, and so I'm kind of curious when you started to break those uh break those ideas in your mind, kind of what was that process like for you? And how do you help individuals break those subconscious beliefs to unveil that voice within themselves that they really are yearning for, but may not, but may be blocking themselves unknowingly? Yeah, right around the same time, I, I also had an encounter with God. And so I, I, I kind of recommitted my, my faith. And growing up Catholic, I, I was very confident in, in, in what the, the fun foundational teachings of Christianity were. But then in my mid-20s, I decided to delve a little deeper and just had, had a, a realization that there's a difference between having a relationship with God and having a relationship with your religion. And mm-hmm. I chose the relationship with God. Um, and it changed my life because I believe that I'm designed by God and that he knows me better than anyone. And why wouldn't I? Uh, have a, a relationship of uh, looking within and, and having that relationship where he kind of helps me align and order my steps. So I realized that humility, humility didn't mean necessarily subservience. It meant that I was okay with admitting my weakness and I was okay with saying, I need help in this area. And I was, and that was actually a very powerful thing. 
and I think when you build connections with people, there's a, a degree of respect that happens when you're, when you're willing to be honest mm, and when you're not yeah. trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. And I, I don't impose my faith on anyone, but I, I put it out there because I think, you know, if, if you spend any time with me, you're going to see it anyway. So I, I just come off and say that that's been a huge help in my life. Um, and how that translates to other people is that I know how, how I fall short regularly. And I know that other people need the same grace that I need in my life. So I, I try to come from a perspective of we don't need to be perfect. Being a leader is not about being perfect. It is about being you and mm -hmm. being okay with not trying to be like the next person, being okay with not having that, you know, looking elsewhere to set standards for myself, but instead playing to my strengths. And if other people are setting rules that are playing to their strengths, let's not be mad at them, but then let's find a place that can hold, that needs us, that needs my strengths. Maybe that's not the place for me. It might, it might be the, the, the appealing lateral transfer that is going to make me more appealing to a promotional panel. Uh, but the team there doesn't really align with who I am. And it's okay to turn away from that and find an opportunity somewhere else. So there's a career strategy aspect of it. It's just getting to know people for their uniqueness and for mm -hmm. their, their own value and for understanding that that they add value to others and that, and that there's a perfect place for them that can help them evolve and, and, and uncover that potential that maybe others won't take the time to, to uncover. Right. And, and I love that. I, that idea that you kind of touched on in terms of being human, being humble and mm -hmm. being able to know that you don't know everything in a given situation or circumstance, but in, in the grand scheme of things, as a leader, you're there to help empower other individuals that, I would always uh, lean towards the side that you'd rather be working with people who know more than you. That's just going to yeah. foster a much more, it's a more powerful team setting that you're working with, that you're being able to help inspire them and bring out that, that, that energy within them, you know? Yeah. And, and I think also one of the things like you mentioned towards the end there is how you also have to have an alignment with the certain organization you're working with, ensuring that your own values, what it is that you're standing for, where your strengths lie, mesh really well with kind of the organizational goals and visions that they're going towards. And if there's not that alignment, then it one, the organization's failing you, but two, you're also to a certain extent failing yourself by staying with that type of team environment and setting and, and this kind of really feeds from organizational leadership, having a very metrics-driven kind of end result, events-based driven type of ideology that may not go hand in hand with your strengths, with your own purpose and vision. And so I'm curious, when, mm -hmm. when you've worked throughout your time coaching people, you yourself, what are some other qualities you mentioned humility that you think some of the best leaders embrace and imbibe? when it comes to leading the most successful organizations in terms of just that rallying of spirit, but also, you know, being able to be productive also. Yeah, no, the, the self-awareness piece is huge because you have to know a lot of us as leaders tend to be a little bit more dominant in our personality. Mm -hmm. uh, it, not all of them, but that is a trait that you might find in, in leaders, especially in law enforcement, because we had a lot of crises. So, uh, I have to learn that my dominance has a place and there's a place when I need to step up, but there's a place where I need to pay attention to how others are responding to me because they may become silent because I'm, I'm a little louder. So mm -hmm. I need to learn how to back that off at the right time. 
and I need to, I need to engage people and say, Hey, I haven't heard from you. And I need to be really intentional about it because I now have learned how I impact others in the, in my nature. And if I'm a good leader, then I'm willing to set myself aside so that others can shine. And I think that the, the leaders who understand that people matter, that, that, actually slowing down for people matters. Um, (laughs) Not not to say that they're slow. It's just that I need to slow myself down because I'm maybe I'm getting ahead of my own headlights here. And so I need to be able to to, to work at a pace where everyone is growing and and I'm not just off on my own and the team's way back here because I because of my own doing. So Mm -hmm. having that sense of self-awareness and in practical application of it um, in order to self-correct as things are happening is huge. And that takes time. And I think sometimes we stop at just becoming self-aware, but we don't really practice. Like how is how, now that I know this, what am I to do with this? It's not a matter of fighting with myself. Like it's a good characteristic, but you have to now learn how to use it. So that's one area is just being sensitive to the people around you and, and, and being willing to also be interested in in what they bring and and Mm -hmm. knowing them personally as humans, not because yes, the mission matters, but you, the person matter too. So there's gotta be that fine balance. Yeah. It's so funny because I was just having this conversation with a friend this morning and you, you, you were alluding to this where you can do all the self-awareness work. You can be super empathetic in your, in theory, but when you're actually going out and working with a team, I've always had this tough time in terms of understanding now a leader needs to go and implement that when in reality, mm-hmm. I think it's something you should imbibe in, and that should just be a part of your very being and existence on a day in day out basis. It shouldn't just be something. It's like a light switch you turn on once you enter the office or, you know, wherever it is that you're working in a professional sense, but it should be something that you experience all together, all around. And, and so I'm kind of curious, kind of digging deeper into that. Where do you think is the, the issue when it comes to leaders then when they are just implementing it for the sake of like you're mentioning just oh this is something that a good leader should do versus truly and authentically being interested in the person like you mentioned outside of work because from personal experience and i'm sure all the listeners and viewers and you girls can attest you enjoy working in those organizations where it feels as cliche as it sounds it sounds it's very much like a family and it's not just in in the general sense you're saying it's a family it truly is like a family no, now you're talking a, a deeper level. We're going into culture setting, right? Because, mm-hmm. because it's not just a matter of having great relationships. It's a matter of also establishing some of the norms that keep us healthy and keep us feeling like a family. And, you know, so having the, the ability to make time as a leader for the, for the team to have not just team building exercises, but just to ask, hey, somebody had a child. Let's make time for that. Mm-hmm. Or somebody, you know, had a great change in their life. Let's make time to acknowledge that. Yes, we have a deadline and we have meetings, but let's really make time to genuinely say, hey, this is exciting for all of us because we know it makes you happy. Um, so that's just one very minimal example of culture mm-hmm. setting. But let me go back to the point that you made about empathy, because uh, I think that's a big one. And you asked, uh, you know, wh- where do you draw the line? And I think human nature, we tend to want to stay comfortable and, and I want to step up, especially as leaders, because, because we're so visible, we don't Mm want to fail publicly. And, but actually when you are, when you just come clean, because your team knows what your weaknesses are, if you suck Mm -hmm. at empathy or like within yourself, you may feel it, but maybe you don't know how to connect without being chummy or without, 
mm-hmm. you know, being seen as inappropriate or like, maybe you haven't figured that out, but if you like, just come out and tell your team, look, I, I actually do care a lot, but I, I'm really terrible at expressing empathy. Um, so, you know, you ask the team to kind of help you with it that way, at least when you awkwardly express empathy, they, mm-hmm. they give you a little bit of grace. <laughs> right. So that's one example of, of any weakness, right? Any weakness you have as a leader, you have to be able to put it into words for your team and just come clean. That's, that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. It, it's, it's so funny because like leaders, like you mentioned, don't want to do that because they're in such a visible role and they feel as if I, I get the idea that there's a lot of fear in terms of potentially losing your position in terms mm-hmm. of being shamed. When in reality, if you can lean into that, more often than not, if like I was in that situation and a leader told me that I would be more than happy to help him, her, whoever the leader is in that situation and, and let them know that they're doing a good job by even trying to address that and bringing that up to the forefront, because then mm-hmm. it's a matter of us working together. Leaders always feel as if they have to have all the answers, like you mentioned at the beginning, when in reality, their strengths your team has, the strengths you have as a leader, and you come together to build on each other's strengths, to build a strong team. And so I don't know, what, what do you find is that light switch, that way in which leaders can finally embrace that vulnerability, that ability to lean into, I don't have all the answers. And, and you know, I want to let you know that I want to find the answers, but, you know, I'm going to reach out to you to maybe help not necessarily me as a leader, but us as a team find those answers. Yeah, no, I was actually going to go right for team is what kind of team do you want to have? Do you have, do you want to have a high performing team where, where you retain top notch talent, where your, your people are taking risks in a very healthy environment where they're able to, to thrive in challenges when they're able to thrive in adversity, where there's a, a level of trust that adversity isn't going to break it, um, where you can have conflict with one another, we can challenge each other but not be mad at each other, you know, where you can mm-hmm. challenge ideas. Like if that's the environment you want to foster and the culture you want to have, then you, once you realize what that looks like in a very healthy way, all of a sudden your issues don't look so big anymore. <laughs> it's right. like, because you're going for something so deep and so rich. And if you understand that that's the goal of bringing the people together to, to perform in that way, then all of a sudden, oh, well, heck, we all have issues. <laughs> like, right. We all need to set ourselves aside and just make room for one another so that we can all together perform at our best. And I think that's the biggest thing is you, you have to have intention as to what kind of environment you want to create for the team so that you can all flourish. And when you are able to carry out uh, that environment, it is usually a result of your ability to communicate, not just your vision for where we're going as a team, but your, uh, your ability to implement, again, those norms that mm-hmm. create good conflict, that create healthy ability to confront and provide negative feedback when it exists, right? Negative feedback in the sense of it's not welcomed. It's not like I, I'm not looking forward to it, but, but I do want the change that mm-hmm. needs to happen here so that I can be better for my team. So yeah, no, it, it comes down to, to seeing the bigger picture of what you want for the group. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things that organizations do too often is focusing very short term and not looking at the bigger picture, like you're mentioning when it comes to the culture, the norms, because that is a much longer duration of a 
project, quote unquote, that you're trying to work towards, whereas there's other metrics that you as an organization may be attaching yourselves to. And then you think, oh, the culture, all of that, we'll say we're going to do this, we'll do that, we'll stick to this norm. But in reality, it goes to the wayside. And and Mm -hmm. I think really being able to culture, I think the issue is that we think of it as a noun. It's a state where in Mm. reality, it should be more so thought of as maybe a verb, I think is kind of what you're you're alluding to, Rosa, where it's like you you experience it, you express it on a day in, day out basis. Totally. You need to cultivate it every time. Because if you start seeing people stay silent and somebody throws out a controversial topic and no one challenges it, or somebody throws out a wild idea and no one pokes holes at it, like people should be excited about that. Not, mm-hmm. not because you need to put this person down at all. It's because let's, let's see the merit of this idea. If we're going to go for it, is this something we need to do? Or do we just all agree and have group think? Um, right. and, 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 you know, when those conflicts happen, what do they look like? And you need to be looking out for that because you'll know right away when you ask a question, you come into the team and you go, Hey, I had this great, because most leaders tend to be visionaries and you, you, you throw out a great idea and the room's silent. A, you might have a, a, a team that needs a lot of development because that's, that's happens too, right? You just have a team that's very green. They need a lot of development. They haven't reached the competencies of where you're at and you need to spend more time nurturing and growing their competency so that they have the expertise to challenge it. Uh, maybe you need to bring someone who's an expert who can deal with the team and kind of, kind of help you with that development or bring in the training that's necessary, whatever the case may be, that may be the issue. And in that case, you might still have a good culture. You just have a lot of lack of experience. Um, but then you might have the experience that you need. And, and in reality, everybody just has been, you've kind of trained it out of them. Something about mm-hmm. your culture has now removed the ability of the team to speak up. They just learned that I specified, just stay quiet. <laughs> right. And you don't want that. But you got to be paying attention. And and if you are so task focused that that you lose sight of the people, then you're going to see the results of that real quickly. And it happens little by little. So, yeah, I I think that it it may not be obvious right away. That's the thing. It it happens very incrementally and people just want Mm -hmm. go, go, go. That is the way that a lot of organizations operate out of fear of maybe comparison against other organizations, their own belief, oh, I'm not doing a good enough job if I can't meet this deadline. But in reality, you need to be able to think, I think it comes down to the longer term vision. And we we have mm-hmm. a very short ter- short-sighted type of approach when it comes to a lot of leaders and how they go about leading the organization. And so I'm curious from, from your time studying and being in all these different organizations, you leading groups of people and teams yourself and and helping leaders develop these types of skills themselves. What are some of the strategies you found that can help professionals transform the workplace or transform the face in the workplace, build that confidence in themselves and become more purpose-driven leaders? Irrespective, I think also, we don't want to limit this either to uh, to just leaders as well. Also, those who may report up to a leader. How can mm-hmm. they, you know, develop these types of skill sets? Some of this just depends on the size of the team, right? So the bigger organization, it may be a little harder to have that one-on-one time with everybody. It's just not going to be possible for mm-hmm. the CEO to meet with everyone. But there are certain controls that you can implement where, you know, maybe you're only in, interacting with your middle managers, which is healthy because you're they, they should have a very uh, 
healthy relationship with their people. And in a perfect world, there's very clean, open lines of communication. And your middle managers are giving you the exact site picture of what the team underneath them is doing and who's performing and who's not and what's going on. So you have a very clear site picture. But the world is not perfect. So you have mm-hmm. to assume that at some point, there's going to be some biases that might start to creep in. So you definitely want to make time to kind of you know connect with some of the teams, maybe show up and be present, uh, be accessible. Or bring in an outside help that can come in, which is a lot of what I do as well. You you come in and you start talking to the teams and you start figuring out, hey, this is a culture you think you have, but what you really have Mm, is over here. Um, And so you and and a lot of the times we promote people based on charisma, but we don't always test for the competencies very well to lead. Uh, You know, they may be really good at their skill, at their craft but they might not have any desire to, they just want to be a team player. They, so they end up leading mm-hmm. and being friends with everyone instead of actually confronting issues when they happen. Uh, or they just have, they're very self-serving and they may confront issues, but it's because you made them look bad as opposed to because this is behavior is just wrong. Um, mm-hmm. So those kind of things start to creep in. If you're not paying attention to how the leaders you have underneath you impact the people underneath them. So mm-hmm. you, you have to have that connection and you have to hear from them so that you can intervene early when it is needed. Uh, whether it's putting yourself in a position where you're watching that team operate, not, not all the time, but enough that you get a, a, a feel for the team dynamics. Mm-hmm. Those team dynamics are going to tell you a lot about the team supervisor. Um, maybe you just call people in at random and just have a little conversation. Hey, I heard you had a baby. Tell me about it. How's life? How are you liking the team? Is there anything that you have aspirations to that I can help you with? And if you develop a reputation for supporting every person in the organization and for wanting them to, to succeed, people are going to be very forthright. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times as leaders, we think there's no way to know. They're not going to tell me. Well, did you try? Well, no. Well, go ask them. You might be surprised. <laughs> so if people know that you genuinely care about them, they'll tell you everything you want to know. And, you know, if there's not that time of developing trust where people actually know that you see them, they might hesitate, but they might give you enough. Maybe their silence is enough for you to realize I should probably look into this Mm because they really didn't have a lot to say or they gave me a canned answer. You know, a lot of it comes down to your comfortability in in interviewing people, uh, which that's one of my superpowers. So you, you kind of see what's in front of you. People people will tell you what you want to know, even if it's in, in subtleties, but you, you'll pick it up. Yeah, it's it's so funny because when you think of these small little actions, when you call someone in or just are curious, you know, how how, how is it like with the new baby? How's everything going at home? Are, are you doing okay? Do you feel as if, you know, work is stressing you out, you know, and then you go home, you have the baby, everything's out of flux, like being general, genuinely interested being able to establish establish that rapport with your team then develops that trust, then develops a higher performing team and in reality galvanizes your team with that energy that you really want to seek out as a leader. As selfish as it may sound, like you want a, a high performing team, but in reality, you just want to help put your team players in positions where they can best succeed, even at the expense totally. of your own, your own agendas, your own certain types of measuring stick, uh, measuring stick metrics right. that you're being based up against. So I think being able to really tune in, I think what we discussed a mm-hmm. lot about the self-awareness and going out and trying to implement these self-awareness practices and think, okay, these are things, maybe put yourself in the shoes of those, uh, the other individuals on your team. What can make their lives easier? 
And then over time, also acknowledging that you may be weak in those areas. Like, I don't know how to have this conversation. I don't know how to do this conflict that is kind of coming to a head right now. But when mm-hmm. you embrace that, people will, like you're mentioning, the subtleties, they'll bring up some information, maybe not everything all at once like you want, but it'll be enough to start that trusting relationship. Yeah, no, it doesn't take much. And, and relationships, again, when you're being authentic, even if you're awkward, people, <laughs> people will love you all the more because at least you're trying. <laughs> yeah. But you're being honest about, about it. Hey, I, I normally don't talk to people. I, I've been so stuck in the C-suite for so long. I normally don't talk to people on the team, so I don't even know how to, you know, turn on the computer. I don't know. I, it's a bad mm-hmm. example, but like maybe there's something about it, the task that they do that you're totally, it's totally foreign to you. You might show interest and, and just get a feel for how does this person work? Like based on how they explain to me, you, you get to know, like they get really excited about what they do. Well, I, I didn't know you could get so excited about it, but they love it. The mm-hmm. nuts and bolts and they start telling you and then this and that. Um, or you realize they're not really all that excited. Hey, what, what, is there anything about the processes that you have that uh, we have that could simplify things for you? Like maybe you pick that, pick up on that, or is there anything about the technology that we have for you that we could Mm -hmm. fix for you? You start showing interest. You don't need to know all the ins and outs. They're giving you enough information to you for you to have follow-up questions. Yeah. Something so simple. You don't need to know everything. And that's, I think we, we mentioned earlier. Leaders feel as if they need to know everything in order to solve the problems that may be hidden underneath the rug. But in reality, the problems will kind of come to the forefront if you just show a small bit of interest, a small bit of attentiveness to the people, to your team members. And so, you know, I, 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 I wish that was such a simple idea that people could wrap their minds around, but I know there's <laughs> a lot more that goes into it that you help Rosa in terms of coaching people and becoming better, more effective leaders with these different tips and strategies. And, and so what I'd like to do at the end of each of my episodes, Rosa, with guests is this final segment I call the three keys to relationship. And so this is a segment where I ask guests three questions to gauge their own insight and philosophy around relationship management. And these aren't quick fire questions either. These questions pertain to any and all relationships. So with your friends, family, romantic partners, business colleagues, what have you. And, and so I'd really love to hear you expand upon these. And, and so the first okay. question I have is what's your number one relationship red flag? <laughs> I tend to stay away from people that are very self-centered. Um, it, it's not, not in the sense of, I don't connect with those people. Like there's people like that all around us, but I don't have uh, in my inner circle, those types of people, because especially for me, I I value relationships that I have. And I believe that relationships require investment of -hmm. of your time, of your effort, of your energy. And people that are too self-centered are not going to understand your generosity and they're not, they're never going to value you. It's, It's more of a take, take, take relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely connect more with people that tend to be more generous with their time and, uh, and, and just their, their persona, like they're able to tell you freely who they are. Um, so yeah, I, I tend to look at red flags when people lack the capacity to see beyond themselves. Yeah. And you know, the world has definitely gotten, <laughs> gotten to a place where I think we're seeing a lot of that now being really publicized. And I hope that people are 
more willing to lean in towards, you know, coming together collectively as humanity, being able to share these different stories of ours that we have, embracing or acknowledging rather are the weaknesses that we have as human beings, because at the end of the day, all of us just want to help us live a better life. And I think those relationships, like you mentioned, where it's all about me, 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 take, 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 there's no, there shouldn't be room for that where you expend that investment, that energy, like you're mentioning. Right, right. Totally. And so the second question I have is a little bit of a converse of that. What's the most underrated relationship quality in your opinion? <laughs> I, so I was trying to think of the context of how to ask this, but I, I think I think good listeners, people who can sit in quiet with you are underrated. And I mean underrated by we don't always look for that characteristic. Mm-hmm. And so we underrate it. We want everything else before we don't even get to the ability of the person to listen. But like, I think when you find someone who really listens to you and who is willing to just sit there in the quiet moments uh, and not feel like they need to do anything, like those are people that you that you really want to value because they're comfortable in their skin. And again, they see past themselves to, to see you and appreciate you. So I think an, an underrated quality is just, just good listeners. Yeah, definitely. It's it's funny because I, I was like also speaking with someone and, and, and we live in a, in a in a type of life where 90 percent of our lifestyle is about living in that silent moment, being able to just the day to day, normal routine, day of the mill types of activities. And if you can live together, experience that moment together in silence, but be mm-hmm. comfortable in your skin, I think. And, and even for myself, like I know I've been, there's been times when I have always felt like, oh, I need to say something. Oh, I need to do something within this moment, make something of it, but being able to sit in silence, be comfortable in your own skin, because when, as cliche as it sounds, when you're comfortable in your own skin, you can (laughs) then have that comfort with others and be able to authentically live out and experience a great relationship that all of us want. But I think it goes back to some of that leadership quality where you are subconsciously blocking yourself from attaining that type of experience you truly want to seek out. Yeah. And it takes leadership to be able to say, Hey, my listening skills are really terrible lately. I, I, I better make time to practice that a little more. <laughs> I need to listen more and speak less. You know, yeah. that you have to be self-led in, in relationships and, and decide what kind of person do I want to be to the people in my life? Do I want to be the person who's impatient? Because I'm guilty of that. Like I, that's, I guess it's near and dear to me because I struggle with impatience, but I, I, you know, I have to pay attention to my close friends who are honest with me and like, Hey, I wasn't done talking yet. Why are you cutting me off? <laughs> so, so, uh, those are the things that, you know, they're, they're hard to, to be a great listener, but if you're at least aware of how underrated it can be, then you can make time to, to practice being a better listener. Yep. And so the third and final question I have is what's your own mantra or slogan for relationship management? And so to give a little bit of context, this podcast centers itself around the idea that we don't make relationships, but we, that we don't make relationships, but we make relationships better. So I'm curious if you have a mantra or slogan, and this can be <laughs> for life at large as well. I'm curious, what, what does that look like? I think for me, people are more important than things. I mean, it's, it's something I live by. It, again, it's another one that's hard to do. Sometimes things overwhelm you and you start getting caught up on doing this and this, and it's like, all that's going to come and go your relationships and the people that matter in your life, they should matter more. So it's one of those things that you try to do with excellence, but you may not always get it right, but you still, it's still worth trying to do it. No, that's so beautifully said. The relationships at the end of the day, everyone says it, 
They're the ones that really matter. All the things you can buy, anything, anything material, eventually that luster, that, you know, that awe that you have when you first see it fades away. But the relationships, it's like when you meet someone for the first time, you develop a great bond, then you're separated for 10, 15 years and you come back and it's like you never left a beat. Those are the types of things that you really want to seek out in life. And that brings up a great point because, you know, you, you need, you want to invest time with your friends, but the reality is you can't have a ton of friends and invest time in all of them. Mm-hmm. And so there are, there are those kind of periphery friendships that are, that you developed a bond with them when, when the season was there. Mm-hmm. And then years later, you'll be able to meet. And I, and I think that's the beauty of healthy relations and being a healthy person at relationships that you can have those friendships. They don't remember you as someone who just took. <laughs> you <know>? Right. <laughs> Yeah, so I I love all the kind of the th- running theme. It seemed as if through these three questions, in terms of learning to really invest your time in the most impactful relationships that you can seek out, where you are helping, and it kind of comes back together with the entire topic of helping to get helping each other in a relationship. Everyone giving their time, their generosity to help every and lift everyone else up, and, and working together as a team as one humanity. And so mm-hmm. I love all these responses that you gave, Rose. And I, and I think when it comes back to leadership, if we can keep these ideas in mind, you know, people over maybe metrics, you know, mm-hmm. ensure that you develop and invest into the relationships you have with your team members, it's going to go far beyond what you could ever imagine than what, it, what you would seek out and experience if you just focused on, oh, I need you to do this task or this task, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, Rosa, this has been such a great conversation. I'm sure that the viewers and listeners have learned a great deal when it comes to becoming more purpose-driven leaders, as well as just purpose-driven professionals. And and for those who are interested in working with you, maybe organizations that want to, you know, uncover some of those psychological subconscious beliefs that they have when it comes to leadership, you know, how can people best get connected with you? The best way is through my website, rosaponsedeleon.com. Uh, we're doing a little revision just to, to make it spruce it up a little bit, uh, make it more, more in line with what I'm doing nowadays. Uh, but I'm also, when you go there, connected in the socials and you can, you can find the links inside of the website. My, awesome. web, my uh, podcast is there as well. Awesome. Yeah. And definitely I will be linking all of, the, all of those links down below in the show notes or description for the viewers. Definitely check out Rosa's podcast if you're someone who's interested in learning more about leadership or just generally how to lead a purpose-driven professional lifestyle. You know, her podcast definitely delves into so many different areas and topics that can really help you uncover some of these subconscious beliefs that you may have and really unveil the greatest voice within yourself to, you know, lead a great professional life that aligns with who it is that you want to be. And so, Rosa, I'd love to leave some time here at the end for you to leave any lasting messages for the audience. No, I want to thank you for doing this podcast. I think it's a message that needs to be heard. And thank you for giving me a few moments to, to, to speak to your audience and to share this important conversation. Uh, I hope that, that your audience continues to have this conversation and, and does uh, feel inspired after your, uh, your segments to, to apply everything that you're giving them. So thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this episode, everyone. Remember, we don't make relationships we make relationships better.